Welcome to Adjusted Reality, a podcast series trusted by the adjusted and brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, where we learn from athletes, celebrities, influencers, and healthcare professionals about how to optimize health in a fun, relatable way. Join me, Dr. Sherry McAllister, as I speak with Dr. Tilden Sokoloff about the all-encompassing realm of women's integrative health. We will dive into what it really means and how women can optimize their health for hormonal healing and the important role of functional medicine and chiropractic care for women. Dr. Tilden Sokoloff received his undergraduate and medical education in Philadelphia at Temple University. He also received his DC degree at Palmer West, San Jose. He completed his residency at Highland General Hospital and Trauma Center in Oakland, California. Dr. Sokoloff, among many other positions, is an esteemed lecturer at Bauman College of Nutrition and Bauman's Wellness Institute, past associate clinical professor at Stanford Medical School, and he has lectured in over 500 medical, surgical, and integrative medicine and women's health meetings. In addition, he's published two textbooks, over 50 peer-reviewed papers, and writes weekly at the Integrative Women's Health Newsletters. I'm absolutely delighted to have you with us, Dr. Sokoloff. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Sherry. Well, we have a lot to cover, and I want to start right off the bat. So adjusted realities, real and raw. So when I started talking about women's integrative health, and it's a man coming on. Tell me a little bit about how, in fact, are you in the women's healthcare world? And should the women be concerned when a man doesn't really understand or relate to PMS, for example? Share your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, men do have PMS. I mean, obviously, you've seen it. you close and personal, I'm sure, with your family <laughs> members. Uh, I do think that it's a good question. Uh, most of the time... I think women and men are incredibly complex creatures. We hormonally are totally different. Uh, We wind up in a situation where our responsibilities are totally different. And a man finds himself when he goes to any medical field, and I include chiropractic in that medical field world, I would say that the issue relative to why is a man a relevant practitioner in a woman's life well, if he's a paternalistic, you don't want him run real fast. If he has a feminine side and he understands the issues that you're coming to uh, the practice with, then you have a partner and a friend who basically understands a little bit more than you do about the functional aspects of why the symptoms arise, lacking the emotional attachment to the symptoms because we don't have them. So from that perspective, it goes back to the old issue. Is it better to go to a woman or better to go to a man? And the answer to that is who are you comfortable with? Because the competency factor is going to be the same. And you can read that. Your gut's going to tell you that. And intellectually, you're going to feel comfortable or uncomfortable immediately based on all those issues. Love that answer. I think it was one of the best that I've heard to date. 
Now, as we go through, you have a plethora of experience, and I believe the audience really, truly is going to gain a lot of information here today. And one starts with women's integrative health. And I want you to explain what that is and why are you so passionate and have done so many lectures to be in this space? I think the issue boils down to medicine has uh, kind of gone through a self-destructive phase at this point. We're corporately run, we're algorithm driven, uh, and we're centers of excellence driven. So basically the intuitive aspect of healing or the basic fundamental of chiropractic or any natural healer is basically the innate ability of the body to write itself, given the right tools. Functional medicine is really a matter of taking all the issues relative to lifestyle, the issues of stressors, the issues of nutrition, making yourself a number one person because you can't affect the globe or be affected, effective to your family, your friends, your parents, uh, your sisters, your brothers, if you're not number one and you're not healthy. So consequently, the functional aspect or what is becoming incredibly prominent in medicine, and it's nice to see it because it was born out of the burnout of physicians, men and women. Uh, it's called lifestyle medicine. And you, you can, as a chiropractic physician, you could become a diplomat of a lifestyle medicine board. Um, uh, the basic issues in health are really driven by the angst of living. And if you think about that, if you think about that simple word, the angst of living, it's the, the reality of somebody pointing out that you have no control of what comes at you. The only control is you have control of how you respond to it. So if you respond to what comes at you in a way that is healthy, you can't control what came at you. But if you can take that as a stressor and remove it, and turn it into a controlled mechanism of how do I deal with it? Or do I choose to deal with it? And not let it deal with you, then you've just lowered the temperature tremendously as to all the issues that that can bring from a health point of view, a mental health and physical health point of view. And that is so important yet so hard to translate. It is. You said a couple of things there that I would like to just really consider is number one, the body heals itself. That's a very powerful statement. Yeah. And, and the second one reminds me of the quote from Mahatma Gandhi, which is true wealth is your health and it's greater than any gold and silver. And you made reference to how do you change the world if you're sick? How do you, how do you impact your community or your family or your spouse or your, your significant other? That's, that's a really important part of the essence of women's overall just is trying to be that person for everybody. And I think with women's health, it's, it's relative to that airline industry tagline is the oxygen mask must in fact go on first for you and then your child. And it's important in this, this particular topic that we're diving into today is really about the woman's whole person. And you dive deep into that in your writings. What is a whole person? And that people deserve to be treated as a, quote, whole person. Expand on this concept as you have related over the years. 
I think the issue boils down to the old philosophy, and you hit it right on, you're spot on with it. Um, I think the issue of putting a woman or let's just say that person in the center of the universe creates a community. You, you change a woman, you change a community. You change her family, you change her entire internal and external structure of everything she comes in contact with. So if a, if a woman becomes a, a believer in the innate healing or the self-healing aspect of life, and it's done through manifestations of what you eat, how you exercise, how you control stress, how you basically create relationships and how you create meaningful living. That's kind of the summation of how you control the health and well-being of that. You're never going to hear a person in the ICU or in, in the hospital say, I should have worked another day. That's not the issue that's going to be there. I mean, to make another buck. If they could have made another dollar, they would have been wise to learn the precepts of what it takes to stay out of that hospital, to stay out of that condition so that they were capable of really spending their money in maintaining a healthy profile. Now, that's hard to translate into an action plan for a lot of people. Oh, I don't have time for that. I can't afford that. And the excuses abound. They just come at you like you can't believe. But you do have time. It's personal discipline. It's boundaries. It's the issue of understanding that you are the control of your life. And you make the boundary. How much money do you want to make? Who do I want to have relationships with? Who do I want to basically spend my time? What noise do I want to let into my universe? And that noise and that negative energy permeates society. And I think that's a huge portion of health. And that's why I'm so passionate about it, because the number one thing that a woman needs to learn is, and a man does too. I mean, it's not sexist. It's basically we're, we're talking about women's health is no, no. I can't do that. I choose not to do that. I'm not going to do that. Or yes, because you really are passionate about what it is you want to commit yourself to. So understanding the power of no is understanding the power of enlightening yourself to boundaries. And that gives you the control to start to be on a healthy path. And when you fall off, I mean, we all do. We're human that word comes back and haunts you because it almost becomes your daily mantra when you awaken in the morning. And that gives you a tremendous amount of satisfaction knowing that you have the ability to just say, no, I choose not to do that. Very empowering words. You're right. It is the power of your control. What is really truly in your control as you started is how you react to something or what you want or choose to engage in. And in that engagement factor comes a whole opportunity of various challenges and, and opportunities. Yep. And that also comes back to some of the things that women may be challenged by. And let's, let's look at that from a real realistic aspect is hormones, hormonal health seems to be the hot topic right now. And what I'd like to hear from you with the experience and the wisdom that you've had in the writing of the, the newsletters and the, and the women's health conferences that you've been to, talk to me about where you see women right now and really understanding their hormonal health and where you would like to see it go. I think the issue of hormonal health uh, had a sad setback from the nurses' study. Uh, estrogen is not a bad thing. Estrogen depletion 
where a woman suffers totally from a lack of, of estrogen is terrible. So the medical profession in general has a schism in it. I mean, you'll have those that push bioidentical hormones versus hormones. A compounded hormone effectively is the same as a, as a, as a hormone that is a prescriptive hormone. It has the same physiology and the same basic chemistry, except it's not horse urine. It's not being synthetically made. It's being made out of a botanical product and compounded accordingly. I think the issue of hormonal health is that it really centers around diet. It really centers about the gut microbiome. It really centers around stress and adrenal fatigue. It really centers itself around uh, the levels of cortisol and the changes that occur in the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And I add the hypothalamic uh, pituitary adrenal ovarian axis because they go in synergy that you can't, you can't run away from that. So if you see the power of nutrition, exercise, stress control, maintaining a cortisol level that comes down, prioritizing sleep, which is a promoter of hormonal health, all of that starts to become a, um, an important topic to the empowerment again of a woman who understands that that really can balance her own hormonal health in terms of not having to externally put something on. You may come to a point where you need it, but there's a tremendous road of opportunity and different options before you ever get there. And a lot of women that are attuned and get tuned into their bodies and are mentored and partnered, that's what's so important about functional medicine. Functional medicine is, is not necessarily going to the doctor, walking away with a tester or prescriptive item. It's really a matter of walking away with an understanding and empowerment. Mm -hmm. And if you walk away with that understanding and empowerment, then you can translate that according to your own personal boundaries to balance your own hormonal structure. Just think when you wake up in the morning, how many women wake up exhausted? Majority, right. majority. If I hear what's the number one complaint that walks into an office or a telemedicine visit, it's, it's fatigue. I'm exhausted. I'm always tired. Well, it's, is it real physical exhaustion? Is it mental exhaustion? Is it a combination of both? Is it adrenal exhaustion? It doesn't let any other hormonal aspect of your life take, take control or be able to have a, a little space. Uh, I, I think that's the functional medicine approach to health that we're talking specifically about women's health, but the functional approach to health and well-being is understanding the power and the need for sleep, space, fun, community, purpose. They're all part of the hormonal balance that really just, just work miracles on, on the average woman when she is mentored or understands it. A man is testosterone driven. I mean, you know, we we're at my age, I probably have 60 to 65% of the testosterone I had when I was 40. So I'm still testosterone driven. You, on the other hand, as a woman at age 40, you start depleting your estrogen supply and you start saying, what's this tummy? To, why am I getting this belly in the, in the bottom? Well, a lot of it is just the cycle and the change within the physiology that creates a vehicle to create estrogen. That makes estrogen. 
And it's, it's the body's way of trying to compensate for hormonal cycles. And that's where functional medicine to me is so wonderful because if your whole medical or health driven aspect is going to the gynecologist and I'm not a gynecologist and I have nothing against them. They are wonderful people. They're smart and they're good at what they do. That being said, it's beyond the pelvic area of the totality of the health of the woman. That's not what walks into the door. It may walk into the door for a pap smear. It may walk into the door for pelvic pain. But why is the pelvic pain there? And that's the root cause of the issue of why functional medicine is so wonderful. That's really, you're you're right on on task there is that um, women want to think of parts, the sum of the parts. Well, I have ovaries and they tell me I'm supposed to get a breast exam and I need to get a pap smear and all of these pieces. But what really gets lost in the big picture is truly the big picture, which is you are the sum of your parts. And while there are those that will will really treat you for um, the potential preventative issues such as breast cancer and um, ovarian cancer and getting those checkups is necessary. It also reflects too on how the woman looks at her body. And I think it's nice that you brought up, you know, when we're 40, we're one image. And when we get to 60, we're another image. And being even at an adolescent age, our teenagers today there's a lot of self-image problems and there's a lot of challenges that go on just in the societal norms and being able to embrace and appreciate and having a doctor to which they feel comfortable with that they feel that you'll respect what I say. So if I say I have headaches and um, I feel tired every day, they don't roll their eyes and say, get some rest and, and go on your way. Those are the aspects of true healers that really listen to a symptom and consider the entire person as a whole. And um, you have multiple degrees. So I I think you have that really essence of understanding that it's not just the education that plays a factor in women's health. It's being able to diagnose appropriately because you've listened to the patient and you understand, you know, she's a CEO of a major fortune 50 company. She has three kids and she volunteers at the Red Cross. How does her fatigue play into her reality? Um, describe to me when you start talking to women, what are some of the things that really help you in assessing that individual um, clinical skill set that comes into helping a patient moving into not just symptom related and the actions that need to be taken for that symptom, but also the overall arching, are you healthy or are you just symptom free? That's a great question. I think the issue is, are you healthy? Can you build a Can you build health on the foundation of uh, lack of good health? Yes, you can. You can. You can start where you you capture the individual where they are and you build on it. And then the foundation changes. So the listening part, I can tell probably uh, I'm a good listener. So I would say that within the first 20 minutes of being with uh, a patient, a good listener and an experienced clinician can start to get the energy of that individual. Are they overwhelmed? That comes out loud and clear, just the, the speed of the speed of talking, uh, the angst of talking. Uh, I know I should be doing, but I can't. I just don't have time. They're the issues that basically start to put you in a spot where 
you kind of know where you're going to start. You can't change a human being. You can tweak them. Mm-hmm. So if you can get to understand what spots are really vulnerable spots that are a good place to start, then you tweak that spot. They see the change. And then you can start to create a program that will enable them to say, yep, I can do that. Or no, that's never going to happen in my life. So it's telling, it's, it's kind of like telling a smoker, you can't smoke anymore. Um, there's a better way to do it because basically that's not the appropriate way to make an action that you really want to become actionable on their part. But it's the same as alcohol or drinking. Um, who in today's world isn't drinking wine with a meal? Very few people. COVID's brought more wine to more tables than probably ever would have been drank in, in, in previous years. Um, is that a bad thing? Well, it's an awakening that I put some pounds on. My blood sugar run up. I may have a little insulin resistance. Um, I'm a little more tired. I wake up unrested. I'm getting a sugar high at two o'clock in the morning. That's a great spot. It's not a negative. So instead of saying you shouldn't be drinking wine, it's how do you feel when you drink wine? After the first glass, what's the second glass do to you? And what's it feel like at one in the morning or three in the morning? And how do you feel in the morning you wake up? And that creates a dialogue of cause and effect that everybody and anybody can start to understand. We all get the feeling that we're overdoing something. We may smoke too much. We may have a marijuana and say, oh, we've been, we don't need it. We don't want it. But something made you take that marijuana or that CBD. You had to drive and eat. Um, and I, I come from a school or an understanding, I think, of human behavior as well as the backbone of, of the medical presentation of symptoms. It's just the totality of symptoms that get to a root cause of what's making all those symptoms happen. And they all start to go away if you're really good at finding the root cause. And that doesn't mean that you have to laboratory test them to death or scan them to, you gotta listen. They'll tell you the root cause. If you listen, they'll tell you the root cause. The average man or woman in front of you will tell you what's going on with that, within within them and within their life. So true. And there's been multiple studies that have tried to capture how quickly a doctor will talk to a patient and interrupt them. And I think that is a fundamental portion of how women do communicate effectively with their physician is if in fact that physician who is listening, as you said, astutely to the combination of cause and effect. And then after they've listened and allowed that patient to reflect what's going on in their lifestyle. And, you know, the majority of patients from the research studies that came out, the majority of patients will stop talking in about 90 seconds, but there's a fear factor for the doctor. Oh my gosh, if they they speak for 10 minutes in a straight, I'm going to be, you know, seven patients behind. It does impact how women feel when they get interrupted. 
And they're trying to tell you a story of how, why, and what is happening. And it, um, I think we need to engage in that responsibility of as physicians and our patients reflecting on being able to share with your physician that you're comfortable with. And if they're not giving you that space, then you have some decisions to make. You vote with your feet. And if you walk in and you instantly feel disrespected or not heard, then you have to question about the care and the diagnosis. Is that doctor really just coming to a diagnosis so they can write you a prescription? Or is that doctor really caring about my whole person health? And I think you nailed it on so many levels in that area. Can you tell me just a little bit about when you have women's healthcare versus, you know, typically most of the women that come in will say, I would like to bring in my husband to, to get a checkup versus the, the fact that it almost men need to be dragged in and how, when a woman comes in, um, the variety of, um, requests that they have? Are they looking for a pill or are they looking to be heard or are they looking for all of the above or one of one of, of which? Tell me about what your experience has been with women's healthcare. It's all of the above. I think you, you, you nailed it in terms of basically, they don't, when they walk in, they don't know what they want. They want something different than they've experienced. And if you look at the current system with no fault to the practitioner, the bottom line is they're paid a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time. They overbook because of a, my, a myriad of reasons. And the bottom line is you probably get six to 10 minutes at the most with the hand on the doorknob waiting to get out of the treatment room. And you meet your, you meet your physician in a gown or you meet your physician on an exam table, not sitting at a desk or not sitting in a room that's conducive to conversation. And you feel as a patient, I mean, I'm in the same position when I'm a patient. I can feel the angst of the physician who I'm seeing because they know me. We may have been colleagues in a different life, but the bottom line is they can't wait to get out of the room because they have a waiting room full of people. So as a practitioner, I learned early on in the real medical world to never say, how are you? Because now I'm up the door to hear about your grandchildren and your children and your husband and your last trip. And I don't have the time to hear so I opened that door up. It's better to say, how's your knee? It's better to say, how's your shoulder? It's better to say, how's your pain? Because that's the conducive way of American medical practice. So we've conditioned the whole patient load to not understand really the role of healing. We've trained them to become patients who have a problem that will walk over the test, an x-ray, an MRI, a uh, a CAT scan, a prescription, a referral to another miracle doctor of another specialty, and the continuum continues in that manner. When they walk into a functional health world, the problems are then appropriately discussed in an open format fashion. It's kind of a free thinking analytic visit because you lead them through a physical exam review of systems in an organized way, but it's not presented as if you're sitting in a physician's office with a review of systems that you sit there and you're checking. You're checking, no, 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 yes, yeah, because you have no clue what the relevant, what are they thinking about when they ask me about this? That is true. (laughs) 
And so, but you're doing it because it's the way you have to do it. You've been trained to do it. So you sit in a functional medicine, lifestyle medicine person's office. You're creating a dialogue that's really all centered around you. And it's all the presenting symptoms. That's what brought you there, a concern. Now, what you expect as an outcome, that initial visit, you probably are clueless unless you talk to girlfriends, mothers, sisters, people that have had that experience. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. And then it's an aha moment because you spent a fair amount of talking uh, and you went through an experience where it started the dialogue of what's needed from a physical exam point or what type of labs need to be filled in or what do we need to retrieve from the system that you've already had. I mean, it's like a thyroid patient. Is a thyroid patient a thyroid patient? Thyroid a reflection of nutrition, stress, the angst of everything we've already talked about. And that's the practitioner's uh, wisdom and smarts and understanding from clinical years of practice that can make that decision. Do I need more thyroid tests or is this coming from we'll go back to the adrenal gland since it's so overused and so exhausted in our society today. Do we start there and do we start with the way the individual eats and the social habits that they have? And that generally provides a course that you're going to take. And in most instances, if you follow that course, you're probably going to be right because that's what's upsetting the whole apple cart of hormonal health. And then if you find that you're hitting a, a brick wall and you're not getting anywhere, well, then it's not a TSH. Then it's a, it's a total T3, a total T4, or a free T3, a free T4, um, antibodies to see if there's Hashimoto's, and the reality of a real poor diagnosis, because there's a lot, of, a, a lot of people. And women, unfortunately, bear the brunt of hormonal health because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a symphony. I mean, a, a woman's body is a symphony of hormonal effects. One affects the other. So to find out where the uh, disparate symphony is in that individual, uh, you wind up having to go through an issue of rather than being part of the system and testing people to death, listening more and then saying, okay, we need, we need to get this panel to see how things are before we proceed. Oh, so, you said two. That I, I totally agree with you. You said two things there that that really resonate. Is this is a teeter totter, and um, there's the physician on one end and the patient on the other. Right. And if one doesn't do their job, one's going to hit the ground, and right. it's going to be a very uncomfortable bump. And that's the when you brought up the thyroid patient. That's exactly right. Is you know you don't want to escalate something to the the end result of being an extreme diagnosis when the patient just needs some education. If the balance of this teeter totter is, I'm going to listen, and then you as the patient need to have an understanding of what could be the outcomes if you don't involve yourself in what you just said, Doctor Sokoloff is is the lifestyle healthcare that you're looking for. It's lifestyle. I want the audience to really reflect on that lifestyle because you're in charge of what you do. And like you said, having a glass of wine, one, and then pay attention to two and see what that lifestyle change becomes. And I also really enjoy your symphony 
the symphony of the hormonal concert. And that plays in B flat, which means our vitamin Bs are really important to our women and their healthcare. Right. And you're smiling with me because you, right. you do understand that is that when a patient is well-educated, they have to be their own advocate. This audience is advocated oriented as being your own advocate, understanding that, you know what, doctor, that medication that you gave me makes me feel stupid, fuzzy, dizzy. I just don't feel good. Well, you know what? If that patient is well-educated, there may be options that may not need to be medicated. We're not saying the medications are not always necessary. However, that symphony of hormonal plays is for the advocate patient to take control of. Correct, exactly right. I mean, if you think about the number one killer of women, it's heart disease. So now if you play heart disease into lifestyle, it's beyond the cholesterol level. It's beyond a laboratory value. It's lifestyle. And that's where, is there a genetic component, maybe for predisposition in a, in a family that has uh, uh, people that have died very young and there, there is you know, a perspective of coronary artery predisposition, but can lifestyle offset predisp genetic predisposition? I believe so. Yeah, I, I've witnessed it. I think if you look at a lot of the, uh, lifestyle-oriented physicians of, of a very well-known like Dean Ornish uh, or Andy Weil, uh, you'll start to see and understand that lifestyle can make significant changes in the way the management of heart disease occurs. And if you start going from that to diabetes and you start looking at obesity, you have to, even if you have no medical knowledge at all, you have to start saying, Wow, there's a there's there's a combo here. There's something that's relatable from one state to another that put this individual in harm's way from multiple morbidities, and giving them a polypharmacy of six to eight. I mean, it, it's pretty scary. There was an article that came out that basically shows that 69% of our adult population, or six, 60 some percent, is on prescription medication. That's really horrific if you think about it. I mean, it's wonderful for the pharmaceutical industry because we are an allopathic medicine is a system of healing through drugs. I mean, unfortunately, that's the training in medical school. You're trained to be a prescriber. And that hopefully is changing because again, there's more women coming into medicine, chiropractic. Uh, you're seeing uh, a sociologic uh, change and a swing in the paradigm that hopefully there'll be a different sensibility than the male-driven system. And there'll be a more compatible view of the importance of we are what we eat and food is your medicine and medicine's your food. I mean, women understand that. Men don't get it all the time. But we've created a whole sociologic phenomenon where women have become men in a lot of instances from a responsibility familial responsibility from making making sure they broke the glass ceiling it brings all the angst to the woman's plate that the man has had for eons the whole history of man manliness uh, i think that that in itself is a sociologic phenomenon that the individual woman is dealing with on her own basis from a health issue 
from sociologic and psychological issues. And um, we're going we're gonna to see a difference in, in our society. But I think from a medical education point of view, from a practice point of view, uh, there's so much opportunity for self-development, self-healing, and the ability to not become a patient. I mean, that is really the key. Uh, if functional medicine does its, does its role well, there will be books written that really allow the individual to be their own self-healer. The way I see women's health being practiced from a functional medicine and lifestyle medicine point of view, uh, the chiropractic profession in general has been the largest supporter of innate healing and the ability for an individual to understand that the body's capacity to heal is tremendous. That's based on years and years and years of witnessing uh, the care and treatment of humans conditioned by way of natural therapies. Uh, the chiropractic physician is not limited to just the spinal manipulative aspect of the profession. Uh, there's an incredible amount of didactic material in terms of diagnosis, in treatment, in nutrition, in stress management, and all of the somatic issues that come to play. Uh, I think the profession has tremendous opportunity because spines don't walk into waiting rooms. Whole people do. And they have whole histories. They have whole, whole complaints of uh, either obesity, hypertension, heart disease, insulin resistance, diabetes, menopausal symptoms, dysmenorrhea, issues relative to just about every disease you could name. That being said, it's really a matter of refocusing to total patient care so that the opportunity for a woman to go, and they're craving this. I mean, the demand in the marketplace is tremendous. Uh, the aspect of the number of practitioners and with the number of women entering medicine in general, medical school, chiropractic school, and all the other ancillary medical fields has never been higher. So the demand for whole woman treatment, totality of care is huge. Now that encompasses the ability to take that opportunity, provide, provide if you choose necessary screenings on a routine basis that are required. It also allows the individual to refer out to other people to do the screenings, but to still maintain a profile of being able to create a dialogue with a woman about her total health needs and to seek root causes so that the root cause of that disease or whatever it is that they're complaining about is looked at as a total instead of just bits and pieces or parts. That is the crying need in society today. Fabulous way to think about that is, is the women that are listening and the men are listening is I would like you to consider yourself on a team and the coach that being your healthcare physician is there to supply you with the right skill sets to be effective in this 
game and it's called the game of life and adjusted reality is all about you winning this game. Listen, you and I could certainly go on a lot of topics, especially when it came down to cortisol, the stress hormone and and natural um, uh, opportunities for women to take on an incredible vast list of to-dos and and having to juggle and what's happening economically for women. But but what we're going to do now is consider the audience right now, the woman that is listening, the man that is considering, what is my adjusted reality? I have obesity. I have diabetes. There's plenty of us out there that are suffering. And maybe we do indulge in that extra glass of, of wine. And, and realistically, you know, I've always remembered what my mom would say. I felt so good till I made myself sick. It was always a good phrase because you know what? That's that's oftentimes where we get. We're feeling so good, we want to keep this state. Tell my uh, my audience a few things that you would say as the coach, as the healthcare provider with multiple degrees and many many years of experience. What are some of the actionable steps that they can leave today that will propel them to take control of their, as you said, their lifestyle of health? I think number one is put yourself number one so that you can make the appointments for your children and your husband to go to the dentist, the eye doctor, the chiropractor, the foot doctor, the, the whoever the need be. You be the one to put yourself first so that you stay in a central role. Because if you're not healthy and you're exhausted, you're on that incredible spiral down taking care of the universe, but not taking care of yourself. So that's the individual lesson. That's what we started with. That's a boundary. I'm number one. And if I'm number one, then I can make everybody else my focus. But I'm number one in terms of my needs. The other thing that's important to translate is the word no. Just boundaries around external activities or people or relationships that are toxic noise, or don't bring anything to your life, but a feeling of obligation makes you say yes. Just learn to say no. And I guess the third part of a wellness continuum, a triad in my my experience, would basically be to create community of like minds. People you enjoy being with, people you can communicate and laugh with, people you can share the same type of lifestyle goals, that really resonate with you, that when you walk away, you just feel like you could conquer the world. And if you create that center, that community, it's so incredibly important and supportive that it helps you translate everything that we just said into an actionable lifestyle and uh, a certain accountability that's comfortable because you're friends and you know each other viscerally. So you, you can control that. Uh, It works at the other end of the spectrum also. I mean, when people get incredibly sick or old, uh, loneliness is a terrible disease. It creates a spiral towards our end because we spiral down. We just don't feel like anybody cares. And I think the key in life is two things. I think it's caring, it's nurturing, it's being able to say no, as we said, creating that central position for yourself of being absolutely the number one person and relevancy, staying relevant, staying absolutely relevant in the world that you choose to live in and feeling good about that. 
Outstanding advice. And I, I think one of the things that, as you noted through those three points, is the vibrancy, the energy that you have to find. And that energy comes from reflection often, is being around people that do give you that sense of opportunity and drive and dreams and passion and enthusiasm because there's there's nothing like being with a wilted flower that everything is woe is me and look how sick I am and look how that's driving everything in my life you need to surround yourself with positive energy adjusted reality is just that and I can't thank you Dr. Sokoloff for being with us on adjusted reality and sharing these important messages with our audience to be reflective of what it takes to enjoy a healthy lifestyle. It's not just symptom-free. It is in fact trying to be at that point in your life where you can enjoy, experience, taste it, and enjoy that um, next day that's coming up. You wake up refreshed and ready to go. So thank you, Dr. Sokoloff, for being that energy, enthusiasm, and passion that we all need in our life. Thank you, Dr. McAllister, for having me as a part of your program. I celebrate what you do. Thank you. Greatly appreciated. I want to thank you for tuning in to Adjusted Reality as we spoke to Dr. Tilden Sokoloff about the importance of women's health, the symphony that exists with the hormones, and how women can begin to pay closer attention to their symptoms so as to reflect on what changes must be made to find the best you setting your boundaries, saying no to the noise, the obligations that aren't necessary, and finding resources that help inspire and build on your relevancy to the community you serve. Yes, many depend on you, but you need to depend on yourself first to care for that precious gift of your health. This podcast was brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress. As a special gift for listening today, visit f4cp.org slash health to get a copy of our Beyond Recovery ebook, which focuses on how chiropractic improves balance, stability, flexibility, and overall daily performance. Don't forget to subscribe, share the podcast with family and friends, rate and review. And if you're feeling so inspired to learn more about chiropractic or to find a coach like a doctor of chiropractic near you, visit f4cp.org slash find a doctor. We appreciate your support and look forward to checking in with you again soon on another episode of Adjusted Reality. Thank you.